This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Wan and Sawyer's Bay Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Muera Karatai. Kia ora, Muera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. How is your new lockdown going? It's so weird, isn't it? Like, we just, I think we just all got a, a bit too comfortable. But, uh, yeah, so we're back to not hugging and um, trying to keep social distancing already. So, yeah. But the schools are still open. Man, quickly. So J- yes, Jack's they are school. now. Yep, he is. And he actually really likes school now. So, yeah, he's not excited at the idea of going back into a level, level three. And who are we introducing today? It is my absolute honour and privilege to introduce my favourite favourite New Zealand artist, my absolute favourite, absolute favourite, Otis Frizzell, who's coming to us from Auckland, artist and taco guy. And uh, and before the show started, I was trying to convince him to come to Bakatani so I can make tacos for him, because that's what you do, do for your favourite artist. Hey, yes, welcome, please. Otis. <laughs> welcome. Uh, thank, uh, thank you for having me. Welcome, Otis. Now, we've been saying on the show how was your bubble life and then having to explain to people that that was how the show started um and can they remember what life was like in lockdown but you're back in your bubble yeah it's uh, um, yeah, it, it, it's pretty funny to um organize a talk about being in a bubble when um while enjoying more freedom than most of the people on the whole world and then uh and then by the time you sit down to talk about it you're back in there so um um, my bubble consists of my wife. I, I live with my wife, Sarah. Um, we have um, some neighbours and their kids come and work for us sometimes, so we sort of extend our bubble to them. That is our bubble extension. Um, and if we can go further than that, then it's my family. I've sort of, I've sort of got to put the business first because uh, we, we've got to, well, you've got to try and make a dime while all the shit's going down around you, you know? So how was your, your first lockdown? Um, well, it was a, it was a shock because, like everyone, I sort of I felt the impending doom, and I had some um, uh, some experiences in the supermarket. You know, on the day when all the shit went down, and everyone started talking about it, and I thought oh, I'd better go and buy some rice and bread, and went to an empty supermarket, and sort of the sort of foreboding apocalypse. It, it sort of got quite worrisome, but um, as it all turned out. Um, I was pretty lucky because I have a business with my wife called the Lucky Taco, and um, it's a it's based around a taco truck. But we also do meal kits, and so um, after the first week of realizing we'd lost a huge amount of income, we were giving people's deposits back for parties and things like that. Um, we realized our meal kits um, 
suddenly doubled and then tripled and then quadrupled and we were really busy so while a lot of people were i don't know you know smoking weed and watching netflix we were up at six in the morning blitzing cabbage and marinating chicken and getting and getting packets of getting dinner packs ready to send out to people and things so we actually we were lucky we were almost in a bulletproof environment except for you know the the world collapsing around our ears we were we were in a good place and managed to make money and fortunately my wife and i used to working together so we didn't um kill each other during it all so it's sort of i hate to say it because a lot of people did quite badly but we quite enjoyed it you know, why, you know what i mean it was strange <laughs> why a taco truck um well, um, when I went, my, when I met my wife, she was in advertising and she was doing quite well and making good money, but she wasn't very happy. Um, in the in the environment, it's a bit of a boys' club in advertising. I don't know how much you know about it, but she was looking for something slightly more fulfilling in her life. And um, we used to make tacos and have dinner parties, and people loved them. And we went to LA on our honeymoon and ate some pretty amazing. And food and some pretty amazing trucks and got home and thought yeah let's go for tacos but we couldn't because there was nowhere to go so we sort of felt there was a hole in the market that 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 we could plug and we were just crazy enough to go through with it <laughs> your background is as Mura said as as an artist and a dj and you've done lots of things i've done it all <laughs> i've done it all um i was um i was a teenage rapper um i was a tattooist so i was a radio dj had TV shows. I'm an illustrator, a printmaker, a graffiti artist. I said that a, a painter, um, sort of many, and now a taco guy also. <laughs> Is there a common thread, a golden thread, maybe? Uh, uh, the common thread is it's just been things that I really love. You know, it's like I, it's like I mean, you can see I'm quite heavily tattooed. I used to love tattoos and I got tattoos and then I started designing tattoos for people and I fell into a situation where a guy was like hey I can teach you man and then you can actually do them on people it's like oh god all of a sudden I'm a tattooist and I was I used to love to to rap and me and um log cabin this guy um we used to rap together and then we would rap at clubs and we'd rap at parties and all of a sudden someone said do you want a record deal so boom I, I was a rapper and then so it's sort of like things that I um things that I loved inspired by and it, and it really got me going I sort of wanted to be involved like graffiti art I sort of I never planned to be this graffiti artist but I wanted to do it I started doing it and the next thing I knew I was doing it so I've always found that if you're inspired by something and you want to get involved you just get involved and then you sort of uh then you sort of it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that's you know art music tacos tv radio same story and with all of them do these things like add up incrementally or do you like leave one behind and go on to the next thing uh it's more of an incremental thing it's, it's really funny i was talking to someone the other day because you know someone's like oh yeah you, you know you've, you've got such a big part of like aotearoa hip-hop history and i never really at the time you don't think of it like that um but but i, I found you know because i'm a big i'm a big um a lover of pop culture, music and art and, and, you know, food. And I just sort of felt that at the time, you don't know, but by participating in pop culture, especially a movement while it's happening, um, you don't have to be the best. You don't have to make the biggest noise. But then 20 years later, it's like you, you, you may have been an integral part to some sort of aspect of the movement, and which is an amazing feeling when someone's like, oh, my God, I saw you when I was at, 
you know, orientation week, and it was just one of the best kids I've ever been to. It's like, oh wow, okay, that's great. Or someone's like, I've, I bought, you know, I bought some of your art this long ago, and you know, it's like, I feel that participation is a big part of, um, of success. You know, I've never, I've, it's never made me wealthy because I chose sort of fringe aspects. You know, like tattoos, cartoons, hip hop. You know, I was never a sort of, I never, I never particularly made it big but i've still made an impression and at the same time i have a house and i have a wife and i have a business so i'm i'm happy and i'm comfortable but i don't have a speedboat but that's all right i don't like boats that much <laughs> but it's like that thing about how come all the castles were made of stone well they weren't it's just the stone ones that have survived lots of the work that lots of the work that you have done has survived and looks like it's going to survive i'm thinking about the um the jacinda Dern print that's going to stick. Oh, well, that, I mean, that, that's, that's an interesting story. And again, it's about um, participating in a movement or a culture because um, that, that's a um, collaboration I did with a friend of mine called Mike Weston, whom I work with under the brand name of Weston Brazil. And that illustration came about after the Christchurch, the mosque attacks. And we, um, we, you know, we, we get together and we think and we riff on ideas for art. And we, we thought that she'd done such an amazing idea. Um, and, and she'd done such amazing work. She'd put herself on a world sort of, uh, 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 she hadn't put herself on a pedestal, but the world had put her on a pedestal because she'd just been her, her empathy, her work, her love. We just thought, amazing woman, how can we just do something? How, can, how what, what can we give to her? What can we give to Aotearoa? Or something we didn't really know, but we, but we thought, you know, there's a classic Che Guevara and there's a classic, um, you know, Rosie the Riveter, the woman, you know, you know the, the war effort, all, all these things. We're like, could, could we design an iconic image of Jacinda Ardern that would sort of, that would exist and maybe, and then stay around that was of Jacinda Ardern? How can we make an iconic image of her? And we did it. We designed it and we did some, we did some mock-ups and we actually did a, a print mock-up and put it on facebook we're like everyone jacinda's amazing we put up some posters we, we we like to advertise our own art with big street posters with um bill stickers and um and it completely died no one was interested and it was funny we we're like how can you not be interested a it's a great image and b jacinda's this wonderful woman that's doing all this great work but it just fell flat on its ass and we were like oh that we were really caught by surprise that it didn't kick off but we kept the image because we thought it had legs. And then what do you know, sometime later, there's a global epidemic. And um, once again, she rises to the top with great care and empathy and, and all the things that, you know, I'm a big fan of Jacinda. So I don't mind, I don't mind telling you, you know, where I, where I swing. But so all of a sudden it was like, she's hot again. We've got this great image. Let's try again. And then it just went bam and everyone loved it we sold hundreds of posters and it and it just took off so it's funny so because like you say it's the stone castle it's like it can be there people can walk right past it but then the next time they walk past it's like this is the castle so it's uh, <laughs> it's that that idea we, uh, we thought it was a dud it's like how can this be a dud it's so good and now it, it came around second time around let's take the first of your music choices let's have fat freddy's drop seconds why this one um, I've got a long history with Fat Freddy's Drop. We, um, we, you know, we were talking about that I used to be a rapper years ago, many, many years ago, probably about 30 years ago. Um, I went to play Orientation Week in Christchurch with uh, Rhythm Slave, my, my hip hop partner, 
and there was this incredibly handsome and tall young Maori boy that took our bags when we arrived at the hotel. And he said, oh, you guys are OJ Rhythm. So he says, I like to do a bit of rap and I'm quite a good singer. And we're like, what's your name? He's like, oh, my name's Dallas. It's like, oh, it's nice to meet you, Dallas. So hung out a bit, gave him tickets to the gig, became friends. And what do you know? Years later, he becomes Dallas from Fat Freddy's Drop. <laughs> I'll even let you choose my name 
Otis, I'm doing, um, well, just about done uh, writing my doctorate thesis, which is based mostly around ideas of imagination applied. And you are obviously an incredibly imaginative person. Mm. How do you how do you explain that to people who, who aren't? Like, how do you explain, what's imagination in, in your world? Uh, it's funny. I mean, I'll probably have to reference my father here, who's a, who's a well-known artist. And I'm sort of, I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not a massive studier. I didn't do art history. So for my creation, I'm all about uh, reference and inspiration. It's sort of, so I, I would, my, my, my imagination doesn't come from out of the blue. I, I, I very rarely just sit there and go, oh, I need an idea. It's like, it's more about, I look at stuff and sort of collect it in my head or just little notes or little drawings and, and something pops. It's like, I, I've done a work, um, that, uh, it's a pinstripe ticky and it's a controversial work, I'm not afraid to, to say. Some people love it, some people aren't so hot on it. But I was at, um, I was at a, a tiki bar in LA years and years ago and they had, um, these cups. I might even have one around here somewhere. Um, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> they had some cups like that, like the classic sort of cocktail Hawaii, more like a Hawaiian style tiki. And there was work um, on the walls of um, and now pinstriping is a technique that people use to decorate lowriders and sort of the, the sort of classic sort of um, the sort of the, the cholo lowrider. The, the you know you, you've all seen the, the classic bouncer cars. They pinstripe, and it's an art form that I love. And someone had done all this pinstriping of these Hawaiian tikis, tikis. And I was like, I was like, you know what? It's like, I was looking at it. I was thinking, this is pretty cool, but it's just not that cool. I was like, well, surely, with my, you know, I've, I've, I've got Maori family. I grew up. I spent a lot of time with Marais. I, I don't. I'm not well learned in art or, or in sort of tikanga or anything, but. I've absorbed a lot in my life. And I was like, surely I could apply these sort of pinstriping techniques to a sort of Maori design aesthetic and come up with something better. And so, and that has been one of my most pivotal artworks, but it was just sort of seeing stuff, picking stuff up and mixing. Like when I used to tattoo, I used to like tattoo and graffiti art. And when I was doing graffiti art, I used to like doing graffiti art of classic tattoo works and stuff. So all my sort of inspiration is really just a sort of, Again, it comes back to pop culture, so so I would say my imagination is is a it's it's a hip hop thing, you know, remixing. You get you get a beat from James Brown, and you get a guitar lick from JJ Kale, and then you get a horn lick from KC and the Sunshine Band, and you put it all together, and you've got this amazing got this amazing beat going on. It's just bits and pieces that you pluck together and sort of mixed up. So the hip hop aesthetic has sort of explains my imagination i guess i just now um just as you were talking my 11 year old son has come up and looked over my shoulder jack is his name and he said oh i know that guy i've done his i've done art like him at school and oh. so and he was just telling me the story of being in class and and your work being the inspiration for their work and i love that I that's love so cool it's 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 funny. We, I was at an event a little while ago, and a woman came up to me and was like, oh, "You did Brazil's son?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." She was like, "I've got to tell you, it's so cool." I'm a teacher, and I was like, "Don't tell me." 
your students are studying my father at school. She's like, no, 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 they're studying you. I was like, oh, it's it's amazing. (laughs) I never knew, you know, I get a real kick out of that, you know. It's, um, I mean, I've read some essays on my work that explain it far better than I ever could. It's, um, you know, (laughs) know, the the effect it has on other people is, it's interesting to see where your work goes once you sort of get it out there in the world. Where does that imagination and that, uh, I want to call it activism, come from in you? Were you born with it? Uh, it was definitely instilled in me from a young age. I would say, it, it, funny, um, uh, when I was 14, now I, I'm trying to remember when the Springboks came to New Zealand in 1985, maybe 1986. No, before, 81. Oh, came to New Zealand. No, the second time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was 84, but any, anyway, the thing the thing was, um, so um, I always went on the um, anti-apartheid marches with mum and dad. We had the big marches, and some of them got pretty heated, but, you know, we, I was never in the in the, in the the battles, but I was always in the, in the marches. And like I say, I've got Māori family, not by blood, but through marriage. And, like, so it was always a big part. Mum and dad were like, it's got to be, you know, this is this is a way to live. You've got to be cool. You know, it's a, it's a you know, we were all in this together. I was, it was installed in me from a young age. Um, anti-apartheid, you know, sort of love everyone, you know, you know the, the good vibes. I was brought up with the good vibes. And um, I got busted when I was 14 or 15 writing Stop the Tour on Winsley's Wool Shop in Mount Eden. And I and I, and I, and I, and I found some spray, I had found some spray cans at a local um, building site and gone out and done a giant 20 foot long, 10 foot high, Stop the Tour. I was like, yeah, that's my thing, man. I was like, fuck apartheid. Basically, that was where I was at. But I got busted. And the cops chased me through Mount Eden, and I, and I got taken home at three in the morning. Mum and Dad opened the door with the police there. Here's your son. He's been caught doing graffiti. They didn't even bother reading it. It wasn't like he's been caught being an activist. It was just being caught being a vandal. And they were like, oh, this is very serious. And they shut the door. And it was an interesting time for my parents because although they didn't want me stealing spray cans and they didn't want me being a vandal, they were sort of moved by the fact that I was so, I was inspired to make a stand. So my mum was like, you can't steal spray cans and go and vandal people's shops. So after that, I, I, I sold a lot less spray cans and, van- and did less vandalism. But it was sort of instilled in me to sort of stand up for people's rights, I suppose. You know, people less fortunate than me. I've been very fortunate. There's a shed up the hill from our place that's got Aaron Moana written on it as a protest in about 1980, trying to stop wow, the smelter. Still- well, it did stop the smelter. And it, it's wow. still there, and they've just, um, I, I don't know if it's got Historic Places Trust recognition yet, but it's certainly being looked after as a, oh, a, as a thing. So, so it's a shame your giant sign's not still there. No, um, the, the funny thing was my, my charge was to, because the building had been graffiti guarded, so I had to get out there the next Saturday with a pot scrubber and soapy water and scrub off my own work as my sort of as my my public penance <laughs> all that could be considered performance art yeah no <laughs> yeah, right right with, uh, removing your own art no, i wouldn't have done it had i, had I not bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui dinidin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie
Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, ko tāhua hau. I hope you're all happy today, people superstar and the love university. I really hope that you are whatever's happening this journey and to get to prove it be very, very sustaining for you and what you are, triumph of nature, perfect. So as we know, we find ourselves a kihi auntie bodies to level two, for the devout turtle, level three. And I'm sure for all of us, this is bringing up a lot of feeling and we are having to navigate these and we are having to, of course, navigate new ways of doing this in level two. My school groups that were planning to come this week have postponed, so again, find myself with, have some time with the War Mansion, which is wonderful. And of course, it also has enabled me to really enjoy that opportunity of some time with myself and I really hope that for you, whatever's happening to you, you're getting the opportunity to connect within and some time for you. And of course, as a species we know, we're so innately creative. We have the ability to take our observations, bring them within to our unique and reform them, reshape them into something new, which we then give to the first. And I love this about us. And different people, of course, as with all things, express their creativity differently. And I love seeing that ways creativity shines forth. In many ways, all aspects of our life are creative expression, whether we're conscious of this or not. But because it's external performance, it's an external gift, external offering, there's an external movement. All of these things that we give to the external world can be viewed as a creator size. So I hope that for you, you're getting the opportunity to really enjoy expressing that innate creativity in whatever aspect of your life you're conscious of focusing on. And for some people, there's a sense that they are lacking in creativity. And whenever people say this to me, I ardently disagree. I do my best to reassure them that they are, in fact, very creative and they can choose how they want to it. I think when we desire something, we want something, we feel that we're lacking something. In fact, this is an acknowledgement that we possess this, this skill or this aspect that we are looking for and it's really that we want to give more time and attention to it. So I would encourage all of you to give some time to yourself today thinking about how you want to create some gift the beautiful world around you as unique processes that have moved through you based on your unique observations your unique conscious your inner world what does that inner world share this can just be in the way that you walk or breathe or speak or dance or sing whatever it is you want to do we're so lucky that we have the freedom and I hope that whether you are in level two or level three or a different level altogether, you can still have sense freedom within and with. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kitty. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Otis Frizzell. It's um it's really it's an interesting space being an activist parent raising children and not knowing quite where the lines are jack at 11 is really into rage against the machine at the moment so i'm having to bite my tongue to a whole lot of swearing but <laughs> but at the same yeah yeah but, but uh, and, you know, it's definitely the philosophy right it's like sort of stand up and fight is um it's a good philosophy even if i mean you can sit down and fight as well you know what i mean there's you know, there's there's plenty of ways but the idea of um giving enough of a damn to do something about it is probably I think you're probably doing the right thing. <laughs> We've seen lots of changes over the last year. 
what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's a funny thing because, of course, all, you know, Aotearoa, the whole country in the last, you know, we've enjoyed an incredible summer and we've had music festivals and I've got family in Melbourne. I've got, fam- I've got friends in the UK and I've got friends in America and they, they, honestly, they've been worn down to a, a nub. You know, by not lockdown, lockdown. I, my friend in LA was like, "We're in lockdown, but my neighbours are driving down to Orange County and going to pool parties, and then coming back home at the end of the day." You know, it's sort of people just don't know what the hell to do. So, it's uh, you know, um, you know, the complacency thing is, is is really tricky because we've just everyone's been looking at us, going, "Oh my god." festivals and gigs and you're with your family and you're hugging people and kissing people and oh my god it's heaven and we're like yeah it's heaven and then it's lockdown and of course the day after that well the 10 minutes after going into lockdown people are like oh just they've screwed up the it's like man how can you say they've screwed it up it's like you know it's a very tricky you know it's like they've got one job to keep us safe it's like that one job has so many different facets i think you know but on but but the bigger picture is people are just learning to, you know, sort of live with it a little bit. You've got to be ready. You know, it's like most people are pretty philosophical about this. It's like we're waiting for another outbreak and we're waiting for another lockdown. You can't be surprised. You know, the thing is, you know, it's like wash your hands, care about people, scan the app, you know, just be be just be aware of how lucky you are. Don't, you know, so I think that, that is sticking. For, for most of the people I know, people are sort of, they're sort of, sensible and realize that it's all pretty fragile you know what i mean in 10 15 years what do you think we'll look back on from the the pandemic response that's going to have stuck in terms of pop culture <sighs> well you know funny enough memes memes is a big one which is a something that I'll, i've sort of come to you know memes is a massive pop culture sort of movement at the moment and and it's funny. I look at them. I'm, I'm, a, I'm part of a couple of meme groups on Facebook. Oh, Facebook! You know what the kids are doing and stuff. And it, it, there's there's something um, cathartic and comedic about having a laugh at something serious. But you know, it's. I mean, you know, what, what, it's just the new cholera. It's the new measles, isn't it? It's, you know, sort of as time goes by, you just sort of forget about it. And it's like, well, that was a shitty time. But um, well, us people here in New Zealand did quite well, so I guess that'll stick. I mean, we, we you know, three three cases at the moment. Well, we're still the envy of most of the world, and I, you know, I think that'll probably stick. You know, the, you know, the clean green bit of bullshit, but generally people are like, man, you've got a pretty good thing going on there. You know how you can tell a movie's age by whether or not the plot falls apart if you invent cell phones. and and now you can look at movies and adverts and you know if there's if they're pre-covid or not well it's funny uh, do you watch the chase i don't know if you're part of this movement it's on at five o'clock on tv one it's a game show my wife and i are very into it and it's um it's funny because we get it in weird segments from the uk and sometimes you'll see the host and looks quite young and his hair is darker and um Everyone's sort of the fashion's quite different. Maybe it's from the nineties, but then there'll be an episode where everyone's um, segregated by clear screens, and they're not allowed to even touch. So they do air high fives, and then so it's very it's so it's it, it's exactly what you say. It's like we will know what was happening because of how it happened, I suppose. And I, think, I mean, but I mean, 
I think the messages have changed on the adverts. It's not just about buy our stuff because you need this shiny new thing. It's buy our stuff, but also care about your family. It, it's yeah. it's much more about that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's it, 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 and and I think you're right. And that that will stick. It's like just just care a little bit more. It's not that hard. <laughs> what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the the bigger questions that we face, the ones that can't be solved by going home and drinking wine on the sofa for a few weeks, the intergenerational well, questions, climate change, and just establish that drinking wine on the sofa for a few weeks is is a great solution. But I think it's definitely it's it's a time for um it's time for empathy. It's time for caring. I think it's a time where uh, female leaders can maybe maybe flex a little bit because they um you know and not all women have empathy and care there's always the thatches and history and stuff like that but it's like it's um the sort of balls out guns out sort of gung-ho sort of trumpian approach isn't such a good idea and you know and he did get voted out democratically i mean he got voted in democratically and you've got to accept that because people were like we need we need some rough and tough idiot to lead us somewhere, but we don't know where. And then people are like, "Why? Oh, actually, he didn't lead us anywhere except into the shit." So it's so, like, you know, like Biden's there. There's a v, there's a black woman VP in America, which is just huge, and she's quite amazing. I think she's quite inspirational. And we've got Jacinda, and people are looking at different ways to sort of different ways to lead. And you know, and we're right in the thick of it. I think I think we're pretty lucky. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have. Troy Kingy, shake that yes. skinny ass. I love this song. <laughs> See, I, I said that, but I'm not going to play your the one about girls. Ah, uh, that one. <laughs> well, we were, we were all teenage rappers once. <laughs> <laughs>
saying that stop looking through cynical eyes you sound like a pretty positive person you do you actively maintain a positive mindset uh, yes yes i do yes i do i don't sort of sit and stew and dwell and on on you know I, i'm a positive guy you know i'm fortunate enough to be able to be one you know i'm not uh, you know i've like i say i've got a house and a wife and a job i work hard and have got beer in the fridge and food in the kitchen so i'm sort of um i i can afford to be positive to some extent but you know i i also i i share you know i, I help i do stuff of you know i you know historically i've done lots of crazy things with the you know with the with the kids with the youth with the sidelined youth in south Auckland and stuff I, you know i do less of that nowadays because i've got less sort of energy but um I, you know, I, I, I've done a lot to help. I've done positive things in the community and sort of, sort of within my uh, contributions to culture. So I, I feel pretty satisfied that I'm a good person. So I can feel positive about that. Yeah, for what for a long time we were describing the show as positive but not deluded. <laughs> well, maybe I'm a bit deluded, but. <laughs> <laughs> So I have some questions to end the show with. What's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Uh, ooh, um, in the last couple of years, um, oh, the Jacinda poster, the Jacinda, the Aroha poster. That was that sort of took us all by surprise, actually, and and um, helped hugely by the haters, which is always a great story. Because um, I'll tell you, funny. I, we put this out well, like like I said before. We we pay our own money to get big posters printed and stuck around. It doesn't say West Brazil, doesn't say Otis Brazil, doesn't say anything. It's just the image, Jacinda's face with Aroha, because we kind of like it's a teaser campaign. People are like, what is this big image? But um, a couple of very salty Nat supporters saw it and um, made some very bold claims that it was the Labour Party's PR machine paid for them with taxpayers' money. And uh, so we had sold about 20 or 30 posters for 100 bucks each. It was like, yeah, we're going pretty well, 30 posters, 100 bucks each. Um, 
the more they complained, for every complaint we got, we sold about another 20 posters. And so we started giving some money back and sharing it around. And it was a bit like um, after after two weeks, and it, and it made it to the Herald, and then it made it to staff, and then it made it to um, One News. And the more they complained, and the, and the more they lied, that was the thing. They just outright lied, said, this is Jacinda Ardern, this is her PR campaign, and this is taxpayers' money on political propaganda and we were like no no this is just us paying for some posters man you got to chill out but um it turned into by far the, the biggest um art earn i've done in years and you know just fueled by people that were trying to stop it <laughs> ill-informed idiots you gotta love them then you get dragged into <laughs> the electoral commission oh yes oh yes we, we were we were facing i think it was a 30 to forty thousand dollar fine for electioneering but they um that got to a point where we had to start looking at legal representation and some people did offer but by then the thing was they just that all we had to do was pull down our posters so we were like well they're not even up anymore because um <laughs> it's the two-week cycle so they're already covered over by tip-top ice cream and you know whatever you know so it's like we didn't have to pull any down there were no more up we're still selling a hundred a week and um so but uh, but I mean, we did fight back initially because we were like, well, it doesn't say Labour. It's not Labour colours. doesn't say vote. doesn't say Jacinda. It's a, it's an artist's interpretation of it. It's an illustration. It's not even a photo. It just says Aroha. Really, it's just a big picture of a woman's face. It says love underneath it. It's not electioneering, but that was held in question and, until it was too late. And we were like, oh, well, okay, it's over because the posters are down. But I mean, I didn't think I was electioneering, but I thought I was definitely um, boldly claiming who I would vote for. But I didn't feel like, I mean, as many people hated it as loved it. So it's sort of, it didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a call to action. That was our bottom line. It was like, nothing to do with the election. In fact, we did this years ago after the, the whole poster thing started after the mosque attacks. It's got nothing to do with the election, but... Um, that that didn't stand, but then the posters came down, and now it's just got its now it's got its place. Now it's got its its place in history. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, I think it was a call to action, and that it was a call to recognise that that the essence that love is a thing which we should be celebrating because it really put the wheels onto the the well being or whatever it was. Call to vote. You're right. It wasn't a call to vote. It had nothing to do with vote. It was like it's like come on, guys. You know love won't hurt anybody but um i mean it's a great story and we couldn't have we couldn't have written it better <laughs> happened because just so many people got so angry and they just hated it so much we were like just says love man why do you hate so much about love it's like it's not love it's i don't know you know people were so angry honestly this one dude was like oh i remember one guy on one facebook page was like i'm gonna go out there with a marker pen and draw a Hitler moustache on every Jacinda poster because because she's a because she's a because oh, she's a I don't know I was, I was like dude she's not a, a, you know it's a, a, it's what 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 they, they were so upset I can't remember what he said but it was just completely preposterous ridiculous she's a Stalinist fascist I'm like well she's kind of more of a socialist I think but I don't know you know it's just sort of you know what a fascist is you know I don't know. Do you know what, who Stalin was? You know what I mean? It's sort of, it's like, she's not quite like 
Stalinor Hitler, really? She's making me stay home. She's making me stay home. It's like, what if you go out, you might get sick. Have you thought about that? And your whole family might get sick. And then your nan might die. Have you thought about that? It's like, oh, she's making me. Where's the toilet paper? It's just think people things just got completely out of hand. And we're like, oh, dude, it's just, it's just relax. It's just a poster. If you don't like it, look the other way. I have to go into town and see posters of Mike Hosking sometimes. And he's a complete dick, but I don't complain. They were protesting outside her electorate office yesterday. Maybe you should go and put a couple of the, those posters up. Probably will, as soon as I'm allowed out. <laughs> we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in the team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion? The superpower that's got me into the mansion? Um, giving a shit. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> or being able to draw good. Both of those things. <laughs> so do you consider yourself to be an activist? It's funny. My personal art has got less activism than my collaborative art with Mike Weston. We like to shit sir when we get together. That's sort of a big part of it, the behave piece and stuff. But I I, I, am a, I would say I'm a bit of an activist. I'm, I'm like a, I'm just, I'm a lefty. You know, and I'm and I'm not afraid to let people know it. So it's not necessarily activism, but it's sort of wearing my political leanings on my sleeve. I mean, I've got friends who are artists like, and you can't align yourself with the political party because then people in the national party will never buy your paintings. It's like I don't give a shit about them. I mean, I know lots of people. I know I know plenty of national party supporters that are lovely people, and we're friends. So it's like that. I'm not you know I'm not anti them. I'm just pro something else it's you know we can still be friends we can talk about it we're all adults here you know i'm not i'm not i'm not messing with anyone i'm just expressing myself you know i'm not afraid to say what i like so what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning well you know the mortgage <laughs> i mean that's the thing i mean don't get me wrong i'm still a capitalist and you know you know sometimes foremost it's like we were putting up those Jacinda posters because I think Jacinda's great and I am about love and sharing aroha and I think she's done a great job, but I still wanted to sell some paintings and sell some posters. You know what I mean? I, I can't I can't afford to pay my rent on on activism, but I can sort of work it in together. You know, it, it's all, it's maybe, yeah, it's all a performance art. You know what I mean? I've got to sell some stuff and pay some bills. I'm, I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. When I was a kid, I didn't give a shit. I would do anything that I felt like it because it's like as long as I could pay $200 rent in my dingy flat and have a 12 pack of Heineken in the fridge life is good but now I've got sort of a mortgage and some responsibilities so all of my uh, so-called activism does have a you know people are like oh you're you're just a capitalist it's like uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know yes it's not such a bad thing but to pay bills and I've got a skill that can pay them so I'm going to use it but I'm going to inject a bit of um, humour or political shit-stirring in there as well. That's all part of it. Someone gave us a good quote once, which Mawera will remember better than me. It was something like, activism is the price we pay for living on the planet. Yep, Michelle Court, that was her quote. <laughs> we might need to change it slightly. <laughs> well, you know you were talking about um, inspiration before. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Pablo Picasso who said, when inspiration strikes, I want it to find me working, which is a great quote. You know what I mean? Because it's like, if I've got my brush in my hand or if I've got my pencil and I've 
And inspiration strikes, I want to quickly be able to use it. If inspiration strikes you when you're just walking down the street doing nothing, then it can get wasted. So it's like, I'm pretty sure that was Picasso, but it might be someone else. You can you can Google that one. <laughs> so what's the biggest challenge or perhaps opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, well, um, speaking of capitalism and stuff, my, my wife and I are, are, are making a big push on products into supermarkets and stuff. It's, it's a massive deal, and she's been working incredibly hard on it, and I've been working rather hard and helping her do it. And it's like um, just to get, you know, to, to challenge some to be a challenger brand for some big old school brands that are sort of pushing very average shit onto the consumers. We're trying to make something slightly nicer, slightly healthier and slightly more better and authentic. So that's, that's a big one. And of course, just, you know, waiting, waiting for the next Thunderbolt art idea to, um, to strike. I mean, it's funny because in the meantime, I, cause I'm a commercial artist as well, you know, so I do funny weird little commercial jobs. I'm, I'm just doing it a job for the um, long haul trucking magazine at the moment, super fun, just drawing on my laptop and stuff like that. So I do these funny jobs that aren't so meaningful in the, in the bigger picture, but they afford me the time so I can go to the studio and be an artist, be a great artist, you know? So it's so you sort of wait for the big idea, the, the, the next Jacinda poster, it'll happen. You know, you, you can't worry about it. If it doesn't happen, keep drawing trucks and selling tacos. But in the meantime, you know, you can't do nothing while you wait for something to happen. You've got to do stuff in the meantime. Have you sent one of those posters to Jacinda? Yes, I print actually. We did. Uh, we did limited edition screen prints. We've sent one to. Of course, of course. But you know the, the the great thing is is that people thought we were so in her pocket, and they just refused to believe that it was completely independent. You know what I mean? And it's like it's sort of. Of course, once it all came out, she knew it existed, but people were like, you've done this with her and you're in cahoots and you're working for her. It's like, it's, it's not true. It's just, you know, it's like some people just do stuff because they like doing it and they've got, you know, they've got to get it off their chest. It's not, it's the, the, the conspiracy. That's, that's, the, that's the thing I'll remember about COVID is a conspiracy theorists and theories. God, it's so tiring. Like, check some facts, not just one Facebook not just one YouTube documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that's your Mr. Foursquare? The Jacinda. Mm. Uh, uh, well, funny enough, because you know Mr. Foursquare isn't my dad's Mr. Isn't it? It's the, that's the important distinction. Now, some, some great illustrator did that in the 50s or something. Dad just um, appropriated it and uh, then put a moho on it and, to, and upset a lot of people, delighted a lot of other people. And then took the moho off and put a put him in it with a guitar and then put a tea towel over his shoulder for a cookbook. He did not design the four square man. That is that is a that is a misconception. <laughs> so maybe so it can't be because uh, well I, I don't know I I don't know who the next one Chloe Swarbrick I don't know. Funny enough, I did a um, I did a cover of Woman magazine. I did an illustration of Kamala Harris, which is pretty awesome. Well, you know, and the, the following the theme of amazing woman portraits, but there's plenty more amazing women. But there's amazing men too, you know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not averse to men. Just got to tell you, some men can be amazing as well. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, um, no. You know, uh, my mum gave me some great advice when I was very young. She said, "Don't be a dick." So uh, I, I would like to impart that onto your listeners. You know what? Have a look around. 
do what needs to be done, but just don't be a dick. Moera. <laughs> that is the exact advice I give to my children, especially when they're starting a new school. This is your chance yep. to recreate yourself in whatever way you want. Don't be a dick. Yeah, no. <laughs> best advice not, ever. Look left, look right, take it all in, and then don't be a dick, and you'll be fine. Perfect. Otis, you are um, an extraordinary human, I have to say, and I really appreciate the value that you bring to our world, the beauty that you create, but to be able to inspire a classroom full of 10-year-old boys to love art, it's cool. um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a gift, and it's a gift that we as um, the people who appreciate you are really lucky to have. So thank you, and keep up the good work. Well, it's a pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thank you. Drums, Conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. And continuing our summer theme of outros, here is Will Smith as the Fresh Prince Summertime. I'm Tommy Manazoyas Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Western Springs, Auckland, Otis Frizzell. We hope you enjoyed the show. The weather is hot and girls are dressing less and checking out the fellas to tell them who's best. Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's. Back in Philly, we be out in the park. A place called the Plateau is where everybody go. Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise. Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes. She turn around to see what you beeping at. It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac. And with a pen and pad, I compose this rhyme to hit you and to get you equipped for the summertime.
just finished wiping your car down. It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show. Everybody come looking real fine, fresh from the barbershop, applied in the beauty salon. Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spend all day waxing. Leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.